everyone. We are back talking about Lent. And and just like a marathon, there's going to be a point where you feel like you're hitting a wall. So Erin, can you kind of briefly describe what this part of Lent is like and feels like and some of the obstacles of what they might be experiencing and any hope in moving forward? Yeah, I think, you know, this is the kind of dark night of the soul part of Lent. You are considering like your options. Like, should I just never act like I started doing this? Is there a way I can get out of this um, where I can still have my dignity intact? You know, there's a lot of that kind of self-talk going on right now. This is hard. It is, it's genuinely hard. Even if you have given up something small and you're not actually like really deeply sacrificing something, it is hard because it's a constant, it's constantly in your mind at this point. And so um, I just want to encourage everyone like, lean into that hard. Like I remember when I was giving birth for the first time and one of the nurses was like, make friends with your pain. And I was like, ma'am, that is unhelpful at this point. Thank you so much. But I think it is a really helpful thing to go. Okay. Like I'm going to have to sit in this for like, I'm only kind of halfway there. So I have to sit in this. I have to take part in this. And I think making friends with whatever discomfort that you're having is the way to push through to that reliance on Christ Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about. Oh, that's fantastic. Cause I know that for all of spiritual growth, we're going to have to die to something Mm -hmm. and uh, accepting that submitting to it, yielding to the process of death um, while knowing that uh, life is going to come, it gives us uh, recognition of all of our strategies. And so whenever you're experiencing confusion, frustration, uh, these are opportunities for growth. Well, and also just to recognize, remember what the end of the story is. The end of the story is Christ victory on the cross and then through resurrection and his ascension and giving us the Holy Spirit and that we're, we are his beloved co-heirs with Christ. <clears throat> that's the, that's what's true. That's what has taken place. We are experiencing a lot of other things here on earth because we have the already, we are Christ beloved, but not the, not yet the full glorification, the completion. And so we're wrestling with all this stuff. And so what we want to focus in on today is this wall that we hit. So here we've, we're fasting from, you know, certain things that are really hard for each of our types. Um, and at first, like you said, we might be excited and we're going to kill it. And it's going to be awesome. And then we hit this wall. And I kind of want to talk about what the wall might look like. There's lots of things we could discuss. Um, if I were to be sitting down and coaching each type, I mean, this could be several sessions just by itself. But what I want to highlight is the core weakness of each type. That when you hit a wall, this core weakness, this thorn in your side, this Achilles heel that keeps tripping you up time and time again we can be really frustrated with it. We can, we can bring in shame and self-condemnation and fear, but it's there to point us back to Christ. It's there to remind us that we can experience and know that we are unconditionally loved, forgiven, and have freedom in Christ. So when our core weakness pops up, when we hit this wall, instead of shaming and condemning ourselves, let it be an invitation to remind yourself to have gospel self-talk of what is true. And what is true is that you are his beloved daughter and son who he fully takes care of, just like a shepherd takes care of his sheep. So 
the core weaknesses, we're going to dive into that. Um, I'm going to kind of briefly describe what the core weaknesses of each type and what wall, one of the walls you might be feeling experiencing. And then Aaron and Jeff, we'd love for you to uh, give a brief, you know, chime in on each of these. So type ones, you're going to hit a wall of the core weakness of resentment. The resentment for type ones is that you're repressing anger that leads to continual frustration and dissatisfaction with yourself, others, and the world for not being perfect. So what's going to pop up is here you're you're letting you're trying to let go of fasting from maybe having um, critical thoughts and judgments and telling others about it. And you're feeling like, but I have to, that's being responsible. I need to bring, I need to fix, I need to reform. And this wall is hitting that you're having to recognize, how am I repressing this anger, this resentment that others aren't coming through and fixing things? Aaron, what what do you think this might look like? Gosh, I, I think what you've said about about the resentment is so interesting because I think, I think ones really view the way that they kind of put their core weakness out into the world. I think maybe mm-hmm. as like, I'm helping, I'm yes. like, I'm being helpful. I'm making this better. And so I think if we're, if there's no release from that, then we're, there's a lot of like my grand, as my grandfather used to say, wallowing in mm-hmm. uh, frustration or in that resentment that you were talking about. And I think, I think there's a reframing that is going to have to happen because if you you're going to start resenting who you are and who Mm -hmm. Christ made you to be and maybe even God. And so Mm -hmm. I think there has to be that reframing of the way you're looking at the way you help others. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that makes a lot of sense. No, it it does. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. The passage that comes to mind for me is Paul's words in Corinthians that Christ has become for us wisdom from God. That Mm -hmm. is our holiness, righteousness, and redemption. Uh, Ones I think, uh, carry a lot of resentment towards God that they've had to be the responsible one. And that at times when they wish that God would have redeemed something, restored something, um, and he didn't. And so they stepped in uh, in order to restore it. And there's a level of resentment that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing Lent well, Hopefully you're coming to wrestle with God in a new way about why haven't you shown up the way that I think you should show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what would it be like for me to let my heart dance in rhythm with how you steward all things versus how I think all things should go? That's great. All right. Twos, the wall that you might hit, one of them is the core weakness of pride. And this is where you just know other people's needs and feelings, and you feel confident to insert yourself into into their lives in hopes that you'll hear gratefulness. But because you're fasting from inserting yourself, but humbly asking, do they want you to help? That's going to be really tricky. And you're going to feel like, wait, but I see the need and I'm not helping. I'm feeling selfish. And it can really kind of rock the boat in for the type two of this dance inside of wanting to move forward and insert versus holding back and humbly asking. So Aaron, what would you say to the twos? So I think looking at Lent through the lens of the Enneagram is almost like a deconstruction process Mm. in that you are taking this thing that 
is your weakness and you're being asked to confront it in a very uncomfortable way. And Mm so whereas we can get stuck in that deconstruction process and never fully reconstruct. Um, I think the tendency there is to not want to do that for fear that it is selfish or it's, I shouldn't be thinking about this. This is, this is foolishness or whatever. I think when you can, when you can fully look your weakness in the face and push past it to say, okay, but what is, but what is Christ saying about me in this? What, mm-hmm. what is my true self in Christ in relation to this weakness? I think that is where you can kind of blossom through Lent. Yeah. And so I, I hate to just keep saying like, push into your weakness. But, yeah, that's true. But it's so true. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so hard, especially when we see ourselves as when, when as a two, there's that I'm not, I can't assert myself. I, when we're asking you not really to assert yourself, but to pay attention to how Christ has made you. And that feels wrong and it feels selfish. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Well, and also, can we trust in the sovereignty of God? Hmm. If we've asked someone, do you want this help? And they say no, it's going to really be hard for two to not just help anyway. And that's what we're wanting you to pay attention to. How can you lean in and trust the sovereignty and the love and the provision of God? Well, I mean, that was the experience that a lot of twos were having whenever uh, the pandemic started and there was Mm -hmm. shutdown, Hmm. is they immediately saw people were going to be isolated and not, not... no one was going to help them. And as with ones wrestling with the question, God, are you going to step in and fix this situation? There's a fundamental question that twos are asking two of God. You've declared yourself to be a helper, but I don't see you helping people enough. Uh-huh. And so I've inserted my, I insert my presence because you won't. Mm. And this is a great opportunity for the type twos to get in rhythm with, okay, God, you, you've declared yourself as a, the, the helper of your people. I need to learn how you help your people and join you in it. And so for the type threes, Aaron, we're going to get into your sphere here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, So we're asking the threes to fast from wanting the approval and the praise from others. And 
by whatever means that is for them. But the core weakness of deceit can pop up. And this is where they're deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others. And so they feel like they have to put on this polished persona in order for others, including themselves, to think so highly of themselves. And they're going to hit this wall of, well, you've asked me not to do this, but how are people going to know that they can love and admire me if I don't prove or show them? And so speak to that. You know, I think a lot about Jesus's words to the Pharisees, um, where he's like, or he's speaking to his disciples and he's like, do not be like the Pharisees when they fast. Do not like, you need to wash your hair. You need to brush your teeth. You need to look like you've got it together because that's not where your reward is. And that, that scriptural passage speaks a lot to me in that the Pharisees were trying to get the approval and to show other people how great they were because they had fasted for so long or that they had neglected themselves because they were so holy and they were so focused. But I think there's this tendency for a three, I know for me in particular, is to almost is to lie about the experience, is mm. to lie about how, oh, Lent is amazing. It's so enriching. And I'm just really experiencing just real intimacy with God. And wow, guys, like just really incredible. When really there's this fear of that. There's this mm. fear of ex- experiencing intimacy with God because we don't often know, like I know as a three for me, when someone's like, how do you feel? I'm like, what? does that mean? I don't know what that means. And Mm. so I think we, we put up kind of flashing lights and, you know, glowing signs to say, everything's cool here. We're doing great. When really we're so afraid to dig deep, to find Mm. out what might actually be there. So we just, Mm -hmm. we throw up sparklers and say, everything's cool guys. Don't worry about it. If you're fasting from, you know, showing everyone your glittering image, then um, Lent is forcing you to lean into the accomplishments of Christ on your behalf, not yes. your own. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, the passage that comes to mind for me is when Jacob was wrestling with God. And I see threes in trying to wrestle with God, trying to find glory, trying to find dignity. And, but fundamentally wrestling with the question, uh, do you love me? Mm. And for Jacob, in order for, it came to this climactic point where God asked him, what is your name? Mm. And of course, God knew what his name was. But the context of it is that the last time he was asked his name was when his dad said, "Uh, which son are you? And he lied. And so before God blessed him, he had to fully admit who he was yeah. because he didn't want to perpetuate the false identity, the false self. And so for the three to wrestle with this idea that God knows me and am I okay with it? Because he is, we're not. Yeah. And it's a question for a three to realize, okay, Lord, um, if I don't have a way of building the false self, then I have to deal with you. Mm-hmm. All right. So type fours, we were talking about fasting from how your feelings feel absolutely true and take you down a path of maybe actually something that's more from your imagination or a fantasy of what other people might be thinking and feeling towards you and fasting from that and bringing in the real truth of what God sees in you, that your most authentic 
and beautiful self and what he created. But what can rise up when you're hitting this wall is the core weakness of envy. And this is where it's going to rise up and it's going to feel like, oh my gosh, there's something missing in me. I'm tragically flawed, but everyone else has qualities that I am lacking. Um, And so Erin, how can you speak to them when they hit that kind of wall? I think that fours have an innate ability to understand Lent maybe better Mm. than a lot of other types in that I think that they are uniquely gifted in holding tension. Yes. But I think when we, when they get into that cycle of envy, it's almost like, it's almost like when you hit that, uh, your core weakness during Lent, it's the indicator light going on. Yes. It's like, this is, this is where we're, we've, we've, we've gone here. Good job. We've, we've like pushed down in the strata of our lives and we're hitting something. So it's yes. like, it's, it's like a light goes off and, and we're, pu- we're pushing that pressure point. And it's like, what happens if I, if I go through this, what happens mm-hmm. if I keep digging? And I think, uh, I think for fours in particular is that I heard one of my dear friends is a four and she described this, this way of thinking of like, I constantly think about myself and I also constantly think I am like not worthy of being thought about. Mm. And so it's that, it's that like double speak of an inner world, but also paying attention to the outer world. I think this is when force can really like push into seeking justice for others. One of the core tenets of Lent is like kind of not pushing, not ignoring themselves, but pushing outside of themselves to say, what does this particular, these feelings that I have of envy, how can I, how can I work through them while also seeking justice for others? Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And, you know, fours can really dig in and, and dive deep into their inner world, which is such a gift. And they can, like you said, they can hold the tension. They can hold the sorrow, which is Lent is that's the space we're entering. Um, and so we want them to experience that, but we don't want their mindset to take them in a direction where the feeling of being defective and flawed becomes almost like they feel like that is reality because Mm. what's reality is that you are whole and complete in Christ. You have been created in a special and unique way that he sees and delights in and understands completely. So we want to make sure that there's that, um, that balance to what they're, their gift of diving deep, but also what is absolutely true. Well, Bethy, why don't we move on to type five? Yeah. So type fives, you know, probably at this stage, you're really hitting kind of this wall with your core weakness of avarice. Now, avarice can usually, um, you know, kind of means greedy with money, but that's really not what is happening here with the Enneagram. And the Enneagram, the avarice part of the five feels like they need to kind of hoard their own inner resources and minimize their needs. They also want to take in as much knowledge as they possibly can before they make a step forward. And so you can imagine how here in Lent, they're, you know, probably doing a lot of actual activities and and kind of restraining themselves, but they're also probably diving deep into the why and getting a lot of data and a lot of information. But what can actually happen is they actually will feel like they can't continue to move on unless they have the right information or the right data. And so you'll, you might find them kind of hoarding or trying to get more data and it can kind of trip them up and make them feel like they can't quite do it until they have all this information. Well, something that comes to mind is that uh, this may be showing up 
sideways. So it may not show up in what you're focusing on, particularly in this season, but it may show up in another thing. So you may find your desire to uh, study, research, understand something in another area of your life. It may not be directly related. So just be mindful that it is a weakness for the type five, but it may not show up in obvious ways. Just out of curiosity, what are some of the ways that it might show up for a type five in this situation? I'll speak personally. So um, uh, Beth and I have been um, chosen a particular way to eat. Well, food serves me in a particular way. Uh, I've got a long history with food. Um, it's been a great friend, particularly food from Taco Bell. And so I know <laughs> yes, when something's yes. happening um, whenever I'm in the drive through at Taco Bell. <laughs> What a great hey, indicator. Okay, wait, wait. What a great indicator. We gotta like sign. just insert this story. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> Angie's our producer's gonna love this one. Okay. And and everyone can you gotta hear be it. quick. And everyone can hear it because it's just so great. Okay. So with this, so when we first got our iPhones, you know, in the iPhone finder. I was in St. Louis with my nephew and nieces and just hanging out and Jeff and I are talking. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go out and get some dinner. I'm like, cool. I'm back at home by myself. Yeah. So we're still talking (laughs) on the phone and I'm like, huh, I wonder where he's going to go. So I pop up the iPhone finder and all of a sudden I see this little green dot going through the drive-thru line of Taco Bell. And I'm like, hey, so what's going on? Where are you at? Because usually Taco Bell means, you know, the internal world might be disrupted or something. And he's like, nothing. I'm at Blockbuster, which was right next door. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, this little green dot is showing how your phone is going through the drive through at Taco Bell. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, I'm caught. I was feeling lonely. Listen, sometimes the only thing that will help is a Mexican pizza. <laughs> that's, just that's, just, that's, just, that's just how it works. So it can show up for me in a, wide, in a variety of different ways. So let's say in, as it relates to your Enneagram coach, our business, if I'm particularly getting anxious about something, I may find more shipments of books from Amazon showing up. Uh, it, it just shows up in a, a different way, but I'm still okay. feeling the core longing of the six and the core weakness is I'm experiencing it, but I may not be fully aware of it. So for the type five, um, let's say they may be abstaining from uh, their time away from people. They may be initiating with other people. Well, but they may find more temptation to indulge this avarice by focusing on a project. Oh, I really need to go study this. Oh, I really need to go give attention to this project. But really it's, it's about a core longing that they're, they're coming more attuned to in a season of absence. That makes sense. All right. Well, let's then dive into your type, Jeff. (laughs) This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Because our core weakness is (laughs) our greatest strength. (laughs) All right. So talking about the sixes as they're going through Lent and, you know, now you're kind of hitting a wall. Um, The core weakness of the six is anxiety. And really what this looks like is this constant apprehension or could be uh, thought, worry. I love, you know, what we heard the other uh, day from Holly, (laughs) pre-gaming, a lot of pre-gaming happening with uh, the type sixes. So Jeff, why don't you uh, kind of tell us what it's like as you dive into, and you kind of just did, but kind of give us a little bit more examples of what this anxiety might look like for, let's say like the phobic and the counterphobic sixes. For for me, the difficulty is uh, 
I don't always recognize that it's happening. Uh, but there's, because it, it's, it really is both a weakness and a strength. So whatever the case, I mean, the way that I've summarized it in the past, there's um, some of our listeners, hopefully most of them have watched the movie, The Matrix. And there was a scene uh, at the very beginning of the first one where Trinity is fighting with these agents and um, the ca- she pauses in midair and the camera zooms all the way around her. And that's what it feels like as a six. I'm naturally accustomed to thinking about all the different scenarios of a situation, looking at it from a variety of different vantage points. But it it just, it's automatic. It's just a reflex whenever a situation comes up. If my daughter calls or if uh, we're in a meeting for the business or if Beth and I are talking about something relationally, there's always this going around and around. And so it's, it's kind of ruminating. It's percolating over the same idea over and over again. We don't recognize it as anxiety. It may not show up that way, like sweaty palms or an, uh, an agitated gut, because for sixes, it's in our head. And that's why for some of the sixes, it's best to go on walks to find opportunities to kind of get out of your head and get out of your body because you're carrying something. And it may take me days for my body to finally tell me such as like a a pain in my upper shoulders or a pain in my lower back Mm -hmm. or a pain in my left knee, an old athletic injury, that those pains start coming back. And that's an indicator that anxiety is around. I'm just not aware of it. Well, it feels like to most sixes and tell me if this is how it is for you, that it's just reality. Like, no, this is the right thing to be thinking about. Like you need to think about all Mm -hmm. these things. Yeah. Because I mean, in, in, in a lot of, we always find an answer to our fear. There's always a justification of something to be afraid of something to be anxious about. That's That is fascinating that there's like you, no matter what it is, there's always something (laughs) to be, to be, but that's really fascinating. That's why you have to shut down uh, the inclination to want to get more data Mm -hmm. because you will find it, but in abstaining from it, you'll start to realize how much you are trusting in your own patterns of thought versus trusting in the goodness of our God. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. All right. So type sevens is gluttony. And so for the sevens, you know, it can be super hard because naturally the seven is inclined to, again, best case thinking, this is going to be amazing, but but really they're stripping away something that they love, taking, you know, some time away from it. But I bet their heart and their soul, because naturally it feels like there's this irresistible and insatiable desire. That's what um, gluttony means for them. So it's not just about food. So it could be anything. And so for the sevens, they're they're wanting it, they're longing for it. And so their whole soul is trying to like go get it. And yet the whole point of Lent is to remove that. So I could see this being a really big challenge for the sevens. And for them, they fear being limited, um, restricted, deprived. That's like one of their core fears. So you can see how this can be a very challenging exercise for the type sevens. What have you seen 
So I have a few really good friends that are sevens. And what I find helpful for them is to remind them that there is a purpose, like that we're mo- there is a moving forward. We are going towards something. And that something is technically a 50-day party you know, that (laughs) sanctioned by our faith. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, that is helpful. I think if, if sevens can, can lean in and sit into that and know that this is for a purpose and I can do anything as long as I can see the end Mm -hmm. of it. um, I think that is a helpful mindset for sevens so that they don't fall back into those patterns. Or if they do fall back into patterns or habits that they've decided to give up that they can easily get back on. Yeah. And, you know, we talk often, and Jeff and I about Jeremiah 213, how, you know, there's the spring of living water right next to us. That's Jesus Christ. You know, as we've um, brought him, you know, received him as our Lord and Savior, you know, he's the one that replenishes us. But so often we look to other things and that's for all of us. And I think that's such a great scripture verse for sevens as well, because yes, all these other things look wonderful and they seem like they might fill us up, but they really don't. They, they lack the ability to fully satisfy us. And so, This is such a great time to, one, pull away from those things we think are going to give us, you know, satisfaction, and then turn back to the spring, which is Jesus Christ, and allow Him to satiate us fully. And that is such a beautiful experience. And a lot of that comes from savoring the present moment for sevens. So take the time to really sit in the present moment. It's going to be really hard. You're going to feel antsy. Sit in the present moment. See the blessings around you. Savor the moment. And then you will... Feel this sensation of gratitude and satisfaction welling up, and it's going to be like surprising and joyful all at the same time. And yet, gluttony is going to be right there, kind of just biting at your heels. So, just recognize that that's probably some of the dynamics that could occur. All right, so type eights uh, for type eights as they're going through this, they might hit a wall and they struggle with the core weakness of lust or excess. This is similar to the seven, but a little bit different. Eights are go getters, you know, what they want, they go get. And so um, if they have inside of them this desire for something, they're just going to go get it. And sometimes they'll do that in a very healthy way. And other times it could be that they're plowing a path over people. And so we just want them to Mm -hmm. recognize the desires that their heart, you know, that are popping up. Some of the desires are really good desires. So we don't, we're not talking about that this is bad or shame, but just taking note of how their heart is wanting to insist that they actually can get and obtain what they're what they desire. And it could be even desire for protection and control over other people in the sense that they're protecting them, you know, not that they're just controlling them, Mm. but that they're protecting these other people. Instead, recognizing, okay, God is sovereign, he is good, you know, and what is he calling me right now to actually do? And what is he calling me to um, kind of just take a step back in, pray, um, give maybe some assistance, but not be the one that actually gets it done? I think uh, traditions and movements and calendaring like this is really helpful for eights because it not forces them because they don't like to be forced, but it encourages them to move through feelings of uncomfortableness that they might not do on their Mm -hmm. own. So I think, I think, I think the church calendar is uniquely special for eights in that it helps them to move through Mm -hmm. those like that. Absolutely. All right. My type type nine sloth. (laughs) Well, you know, this is such a big challenge, you know, this, this fasting on one side, nines are like, 
could be experts at this if we just numb out. But that's actually not doing the very work. But it can feel like, oh, I got this. Just be passive, numb out, kind of forget about your passions and desires and just go with the flow. But really, what we're wanting to recognize is how sloth, the numbing out, uh, not recognizing your own passions and desires can actually hinder you in this process. Because really, we want you to see that you long to be satisfied by Christ. And if you're numbing out so much that you don't recognize that, then you can't drink from that spring. You cannot fully, because you're like, oh, I'm fine, even though you're totally parched. I'm good. We want you to recognize, no, you're parched. You need to drink. You need to have satisfaction from him. So this is a great opportunity for you to stay awake, stay engaged, feel some of the the struggles that you have with doing Lent, uh, removing whatever it is that you've removed, and then come back to Christ and let him fulfill you. Bethy, we talk about it a lot. I mean, I've had 25 years now of uh, living with a nine. Um, what I find, particularly as a six, I'm typically the overperformer in our relationship. Um, you know, we use the illustration that I, I'm driving down the highway at 100 and Beth's on the service road going 35. Um, and sometimes you don't even realize you're asleep. No, not at all. It just is a pleasant Sunday drive. Like, why doesn't, doesn't everyone want to do this? <laughs> Having a great time. I don't know what everyone's problem is. So what? What does it look like for a nine who has a tendency to disassociate, to just not feel some of the experience of what Lent can provide? Mm -hmm. What does it look like for them to attune to it? Well, one of the things that we're allergic to is being uncomfortable. <laughs> so we just like our cozy comforts, our routines. Mm. And this is going to really shake that up. So either we can face the uncomfortableness and recognize our heart's condition and when things rise up, um, maybe like we're really wanting something. Oh, well, I better forget that. That's bad. I shouldn't assert myself. I shouldn't desire something. Well, no, like recognize it, write about it, think through it. What is it that you're, you feel inside your gut? Because really this is passion. Um, or in other ways, a lot of times teachers in Enneagram will say it's anger. And nines are like, what? I'm not mm. angry. No, we want you to feel this passion, this, this longing, this thirst, because when you numb out, you're missing the greatest aspect of your life, which is being fulfilled by Christ. So we want you to actually wake up where you're uncomfortable and sit in it. And I know that feels so hard for the nine, but that's actually a really good place to be. And sometimes that uncomfortableness is looking inward, talking about it with other people, people asking questions. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. Um, but continue to investigate, continue to look. And that's why journaling and just, just write, don't try to make it pretty, just write and let it flow. That is how a nine kind of processes. We meander in our kind of communication style. And so as you journal, don't let there be any rules, just write and see what comes out. Well, Aaron, um, it's really good. Whenever threes hit the wall, what's the natural inclination? Oh, uh, to push through it and jump over it and do the juggernaut thing where it's just the outline of your body through the mm. wall. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like it's it's there is no wall. The wall doesn't exist. No. I can overcome the wall. You know, that's one of the subtleties, and you know, the enneagram's popular, and there's all kinds of funs fun accounts, but it, it, it also speaks very seriously to this dynamic because 
there are fleshly ways to go through Lent. And then there are spiritual ways, uh, new person, gospel-centered, compelled ways to go through Lent. I mean, what's the difference between someone just choosing willpower to stay faithful to their commitment versus being empowered by the Spirit? Well, I think it's hard because it's not like my desire to get over the wall or bust through the wall is one of... I I can play it as one of, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make Jesus proud of me, you know, like I I can spin that any way I want to. So I think it's that honesty with self and paying attention to your heart and asking the Holy Spirit and being open to Holy Spirit, revealing Mm -hmm. that through other people, through his word, through prayer. I think we have to just like, this is not a self-reliance exercise. This is not you get a medal at the end of Lent. Mm -hmm. It is, this is an, this is inner work. It is something that you have to be honest with yourself about and hopefully honest with another person, a buddy or your small group or whatever. But I think the, the main takeaway is you can't fail and you also can't win. This is not, it's not a, it's, there's no podium at the end of this. Well, in the recovery world, they've got an idiom that I've always appreciated, and I've said it a lot of times, and we'll continue to say it. If it's not messy, you're not doing it right. So That's probably true. as these things come up, recognize that the, you are right on time. Your Heavenly Father is not surprised by it. He's not concerned or disappointed. Mm-hmm. This is just an opportunity for what you just said, to ask. And it's using those quote unquote failure moments as ways to grow deeper. It's all an invitation. I think if you, we can look at the whole situation as an invitation to come closer to him, that's where we quote unquote win. (laughs) As we wrap up this particular episode, I think looking at, again, the end of the story that we are safe and secure in him. We are loved, we're cherished. Christ has won and secured all things. This, like you said, is an exercise to go deeper. It's not an exercise to win. It's not an exercise to secure our belonging to him. All of that has been taken care of. So when we know who Mm -hmm. we are and whose we are, then our heart can rest even in the midst of all of this kind of internal chaos as we hit the wall, knowing that we are his beloved dearly loved, dearly cherished and seen. And that helps us to continue on this path of growth and understanding. Great. Well, are are there any uh, last um, things that you, any encouragements that you'd like to offer the audience? Well, I wanted to say that in uh, Anglican tradition and other traditions, there is a, there's a service that happens uh, during Holy Week and it's called Tenebrae. And it is this weird, wacky, dark, like, like the whole point of the service is to extinguish candles and then play a loud noise and in the dark. And I just want to like, if you can get to it or if you can watch an, you know, something like this service in the you know, this lead up to Holy week and Easter, I highly recommend you doing it. It's such a great picture of, I think what a lot of us are feeling in our bodies of darkness, things are extinguishing. Mm -hmm. We're getting towards the end and we're not to that point. We're in that already, not yet kind of thing where we know that there's purpose to the darkness and the, and the pain and the noise, but we're just not quite there yet. And it's a really great way to like, kind of walk through that story in your body. Um, So I highly recommend them doing something uh, if like that, if they can. Great. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for a great conversation again. Hopefully this is helpful for our audience as uh, they're endeavoring down this new path. My pleasure.